Yes, yeah, so youth group assemble. You can come on up. So you guys can start working your way up. So yes, I am blessed to help lead the youth group with Al. Uh, we meet on, well, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., usually upstairs. Uh, kind of changes. We'll probably try getting outside now. But uh, yeah, before I get into youth group, I just wanted to, we'll be sharing this each week, but just we really want to be pushing our groups just because we feel like that's where real growth happens. Uh, just getting real, living life with people, uh, going after Jesus together. Church is great, but just being able to meet more often, meeting in those smaller groups, that's where real growth happens, I think. But uh, So just, these are out there. I won't read all of them. There's men's groups, there's women's groups, there's uh, family groups, there's all different kinds of groups. So we're just talking about the youth group. Uh, what we really just challenge them is just to have a relationship with Jesus, that it's not about just going to church uh, Al talks a lot about churchianity, where you just go to church and look like the world, but having a real relationship with Jesus, uh, that it actually makes a difference, it changes everything you do because you know Jesus, and so yeah, we just go after it with these kids, and we wanted them to talk and just kind of share what they like about youth group and what they get out of it, and you can say what... <laughs> I love it. Mine. Um... I love coming to youth group because it's a great time and um, it's a great way to show that there's other people out there my age who are going through this too about coming to Jesus and um, it's just a welcoming place. It's a great place to come to and to feel welcomed. I just said that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to hear their testimonies. Uh, it's great to share testimonies. It, play games every night. It's a lot of fun. My favorite thing about youth group is just that there's a huge emphasis on like actually going out and living it out and every week they ask if anyone has testimonies. If not, you're absolutely shunned and kicked out. No. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's just awesome how like they talk about how they're living out and what they're doing to grow and whether it's at work or at school or anywhere, just how to really minister to people and that's like the main emphasis I'd say that's the biggest thing that like I can expect every time I go into youth group is that the main lesson is just live it out and actually show it with your actions and not just like going to church or certain groups or being all like uh, what's the word you use yeah well yeah that too uh, there's another one I can't think of it um, say churchy churchy or you know anything like that and how that's not what we want, and we want to actually like grow and live it out, and that's a huge emphasis, and that's really important for me, and I really, uh, I really like that. So thank you guys. Um, probably my favorite part about youth group is just how refreshing it is to go and meet with other Christians, because going to like a public school and stuff, most of the kids aren't Christians, so it's just really refreshing to me with uh, other Christian kids my age. Good job, guys. <clears throat> and Matt and I, too, we enjoy just being part of the youth group as well. 
having testimonies, being challenged ourselves, and I've talked about this before, kind of the theme with the youth group is I can't imagine the disciples in the book of Acts getting together and saying, yeah, I don't really have a, a testimony for this past week. I didn't really minister to someone. In normal Christianity isn't churchianity where we're just learning things and, and just that's part of it, but we actually have to go out and do these things and actually be Christ's hands and feet to people and, and love on them. So we challenge each other. They challenge Matt and I as well to go after it and, and, and go for the real thing, not just uh, a watered down in between. So yeah, that, that's our youth group. Um, so this morning, I got the privilege uh, uh, to share again with you guys and, and to give the word. This morning, the, the message that uh, I had uh, really kind of developed, this was maybe about a month ago or so, during worship time here, I was just in the back. And sometimes when we're, we're in the midst of worship, I find for myself, I'll get into the word and I usually go in the Psalms and I'll just kind of read a Psalm as, as a, just posturing my heart in a way to, to worship the Lord and, and to get, get my frame of thinking right and correct. And, and so part of my worship sometimes is just reading a psalm and meditating on it while, while Sarah is singing or we're in the midst of worship and, and giving, giving my heart to the Lord in that way. And this was maybe about a month ago, I was reading Psalm 103. I'm gonna turn to it uh, right now. That's gonna be kind of my main, main scripture that I'm going to be, be looking at. And I'm just going to read the very first part, though. I'm going to come back, and we're going, to, we're going to look at Psalm 103 in more detail later. But the first parts say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Let's pray before we, we jump in anymore. God, thank you for you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you. For, for all that you give us, God. Father, we love you, we honor you, we pray that you would posture, you make our hearts ripe to, to encounter your truth and not just to hear it, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that your, your word would go deep into us. Uh, we want to know more of you, Jesus. We want to love you better. We want to love others better. We just invite you right now, God. We want to continue encountering you and be changed because we're encountering you, God. In your name, amen. So that last part stood out to me when I was, was reading that Psalm 103, forget none of his benefits. And then it goes on, beautiful, beautiful benefits of knowing, knowing the Lord. But just that hit me, that, that forget none of his benefits. And, and how many times are we like a fish in water that we're just taking it for granted, the benefits that we're around, that Christ came to save us. That's, that's the primary benefit, right? Is that we can be saved for eternity by putting our faith and trust in Christ. But even right now, he's left us on earth for a purpose to know and encounter his presence, to know his love and to share the gospel and to share that love and that reality with those that we encounter around us. We're, we're here for a reason, right? We have a, a purpose, we have, God has a plan to use us and the benefits that, that he has given to his children, that he hasn't just left us kind of without arms and without uh, the ability to be a strong testimony in the earth, he's given us the benefits of knowing him to experience his love and to make, make him known. And I don't want to take that lightly. And, and, I was, and I was also thinking about this. It might have been the same Sunday that, that I was reading this, Psalm 103 in the back. Do you guys remember, maybe you, you already know the story because you're part of the church then. 
Dallas and Sarah shared about how this church building kind of came, came into being. Do you guys remember that from uh, a few Sundays back where, where they were sharing, sharing about that? That was cool, that, that testimony of God bringing in the funds and not having to go into debt, that the funds came at the right time and, and it allowed, you know, this just awesome building. You know, it first came, okay, this is a great, great building. This is excellent. Uh, this is pretty, but now knowing the story behind God's provision to allow even this place that we're sitting in now to, to be here, I don't want to take it for granted. Just that, that beautiful testimony, even just sitting here, God, I just, I bless you for, for this sanctuary, this place that we can gather and meet. And thinking of the benefits of the Lord, all the things that he's given to us as believers and followers of Christ, I don't wanna be casual about those things. I don't want to take them for granted. I don't wanna be flippant about those things. And I use that word a lot in our youth group, flippant. What does that mean? The, I looked up the definition for flippant. It means lacking proper respect or seriousness. With God's benefits, I don't wanna have a flippant attitude. I, wanna, I can't go into that casually that the Lord has given everything, that, he, that he's given his son and he's allowed these benefits for us while we're on the earth. I wanna take advantage of those things. I wanna bless the Lord. I wanna continually have those in remembrance. If you think back with Exodus and you read of the Israelites, you know, they have this awesome, that the, as Sarah was saying too, with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day and God splitting the sea, the awesome signs and wonders to deliver his people. And then it only takes a few verses later and they're grumbling saying, where's the water? Where, 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 where's our provision at? You, you did all this deliverance and, and where is it at? And I think that's, you know, it gets to the heart too where they're saying, I want your statutes like frontlets before my eyes. I, I want to remember because we're so prone to forgetting what God has done, even our own testimony at times where God has, has done awesome things in our lives. And then in the next instance, we're like, what are we doing in this place of sin? Or what are we doing, you know, doing things that we know we shouldn't? God just delivered us, you know, yesterday I saw, saw him working. We're so prone to forget those benefits. We wanna to continue to remember what, what Christ has done for us and the things that he has provided and the things that are outlined in scripture that, that he's given to us. So this Psalm 103 got me thinking about that. And it was, it was clear, it was at the time something that Lord was teaching me that, wow, these are just awesome benefits. I, wanna, I just wanna go into a place of worship saying, thank you, God. Thank you for all these benefits. And, and this, what, this morning as we go through, what are the benefits of, of knowing Christ? Yes, uh, we, we know some of the, the obvious ones that come to mind, but I want to make sure that we're not prone to forget the things that, that, that Christ laid down his life and he's given to us as believers to walk in and to thank him for that, remember that. But I also wanna talk about the flip side as well. How can we also be casual or flippant in regards to those blessings? How can we take those things that are so richly provided to us in Christ and be casual or flippant towards them, forgetting them? How, how can we bless the Lord for them? How can we remember them? So the first thing I want to, to look at is, is our very own lives. That you know, this morning, I don't know if you got up and you said, I've got a heart that's beating, right? I've got, I've got lungs that are breathing. God, thank you. We, we, we take that for granted, right? That I'm going to, to have those things. And it became very apparent 
or it became, you know, more to the forefront. Bud passed away, you know, a few weeks back and it, his heart stopped beating, right? That, that That's something that we take for granted every day that we're going to have a heart that's beating in a, another day to, to be a testimony, to be a light. And, and I think a lot of us know the, from Psalm 139 that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that's, that's a scripture that's often encountered but again, I want to remember that I don't want even casual verses. I don't want to get casual about that verse. And so I have a little video, just a snippet. This whole message is a great one, and I probably need to do this as a youth group at some point. But this is a gentleman by the name of Lou Giglio, has some great series that he goes through. This is just a little snippet. So we talk about we're fearfully, wonderfully made. I want to make that real this morning. Again, remembering the benefits of the Lord beholding him and, and not taking that for granted. So if we could pull up that first video, man, I hope it works. All right. Cool. I did a little editing. I had to get it all within a certain time frame to like convert it to this computer file. So it, it was a little choppy. How many people woke up this morning and said, God, thank you for laminin in my body. <laughs> I'm so thankful for laminin. Maybe now we will, right? How, I mean, awesome, awesome that, that God, there's so many things that we take for granted going on in our, in our systems, our body. We don't have time this morning. I could go into the human ear and how cool it is, the electrical potentials and the right amount of, of certain things that have to be in your ear for normal hearing to take place. You know, it's so many awesome things that God has designed. And I don't want to take that for granted, that having all of our working systems and having those all working. So how can we bless the Lord? How can we not, how can we have that benefit of having health, having a body that works, eyes that see, ears that hear? How can we, how can we take that benefit of the Lord and not take it for granted? Well, we can use our bodies as temples of the Lord. We can take care of our body as well so that we can be ministers. It's hard to go off and to be part of missions when we can't even get up to, to get out of the house or to do, I mean, we need to take care of ourselves so that we can have energy to do things. And, you know, that's a way that we can bless the Lord is, is taking care of ourselves, uh, being, being mindful not to just always, you know, pick out, think about the next meal, you know, or thinking about God more than, than food, um, but taking care of our bodies as, as just being mindful of how beautiful God has created our, our bodies and ourselves. And I have an image to pull up. This was from a Mexico missions trip that I was on down in Juarez. This was back, I don't know, a number of years back. And this is us, we're, and I love it, we're just at this roundabout, this circle uh, in, in the town, and running and handing out Spanish New Testaments. I wanna have the energy and the strength to do that, right? If, I, if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't run after that guy at the end of the street and give him a Bible. I might miss him. I don't wanna miss him. Maybe he's the one that's gonna read that New Testament, get radically saved, change his whole community. I, I want to take care of myself because God has, has made my life uh, so special, so unique. And in this particular case, this car broke down in the middle of the roundabout. So I grabbed three other guys and we started pushing his car, going around and you know getting him pushed out of, out of the way right as a bus was coming at this intersection. We had one last push, uh, made it to safety. And of course, we gave him a Spanish New Testament to read. And, and I don't think he'll forget that encounter. We didn't. 
but I want to have the strength to be able to do that. I want to have to be able to strength to disciple my kids and to go out and do things with them. And, and I want to do that because it's a benefit of the Lord that he's given me another day. It's a benefit that he's given me laminin to hold my body together. Don't want to take that for granted. How special, how unique is our bodies and our own selves, our strength. Second thing is God's word, the Bible. I don't want to take this thing for granted, a benefit of the Lord that we have the word. I don't know, you know, and when you talk to, to missionaries, accounts in other countries, North Korea, I, I guarantee those, the believers that have a copy of the word, do not take that for granted. You know, places where you can be persecuted for your faith, they do not take this for granted. And I gave a message, this is maybe a year or two ago, we talked about, you know, the things in the Bible that, that are so special, unique to why this is the inspired word of God. One of the really cool things is when you dive into the Bible itself, how many manuscripts and how many things have gone in that, that, that's more unique than any other book in, in history. And real quickly, numbers around 10,000 manuscripts for the Old Testament, over 24,000 manuscripts for the, the New Testament. And some of these are fragments, some of these are whole pieces. Uh, the next one that even comes close is Homer's Iliad, which has 643 manuscripts, doesn't even come close to, to the breadth for the Old or the New Testament. And nobody takes that for, for you know, that, that Homer's Iliad isn't what it, you know, they, they, we have 643, that's Homer's Iliad, that's, that's what it says. How much more the, the Bible has all these manuscripts. And even if you were to just throw those out and take the secondhand accounts from the church historian and other people that were peripheral to the, the happenings of the Bible that wrote their accounts, you basically would have the whole Bible, even from their manuscripts and their accounts, not taking into account the original manuscripts of the Bible. There's so much that, that's been preserved. And one of the coolest stories in terms of looking at the history and the manuscripts of the Bible are the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And when I learned about that, it really blew me away how God had preserved and then gave a, an awesome account uh, or, or gave an awesome testimony of how um, the word can be trusted. I have a slide, I think, uh, from, from that talk I did on the, the Bible about the Dead Sea Scrolls, if you're able to pull that up. And, and that on the, on the top right, that's, that's the book of Isaiah that was part of the Dead Sea Scrolls that they found. So basically there was this cave and they went in and they found preserved a large chunk of scripture that, that had been preserved over thousands of years. And, and that right there, what's cool is the book of Isaiah. Well, why, why is the book of Isaiah really cool? When you look at uh, Isaiah 53, before then... The, the accounts we had, there was a th about a thousand year difference between the earliest manuscripts we had and then we found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were a thousand years earlier than what we thought we had as the earliest manuscripts. And it was remarkable how much it lined up and specifically Isaiah 53 basically comes down that it's the exact same verbiage over a thousand years. And there's only one word, the word light, that's in verse 11, that maybe, you know, like maybe there's a change there. I mean, it doesn't change the, the meaning at all. You know, just remarkable. Imagine, so I'm giving this message now and you guys go home, you write it down, you tell your children this message and 
then I write it down here, and then we compare over a thousand years the message that I had now to what you had transcribed and, and given orally over the past thousand years, and it really hasn't changed. I mean, come on, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. I mean, absolutely remarkable. And, and of course, these people were skilled at, at uh, transcribing, you know, to keep these things alive. They continued writing them down, had scribes, and they had a system. And it must have been a very effective system. And it gives me a lot of confidence and faith that I can trust that what's in the word is what should be in the word and that is accurate. Just remarkable how God has preserved through the centuries his word and, and it's been unchanged. And the Dead Sea Scrolls were awesome proof of that unchanging over a thousand year time that it lined up. So cool. Also, the, the testimony of all, all those that wrote, wrote the Bible, Hebrews 11, 32 through 40, if we could pull up that, that verse. I can look it up too. Hebrews 11, um, 32 through 40. Oh, there we go. Um, And what more shall I say? For time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All those, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should be made perfect, not be made perfect. You know how, you know, and they're looking towards this future promise of Christ and we have all of those promises. We have all the prophecies fulfilled. I don't have time to even go into the prophecies of Christ that are in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the New Testament. I mean, just a whole series. But we have all these accounts, these beautiful accounts of, of people that strived, were killed uh, for the faith and, and that we, you know, taking this, this word that we have all those accounts of people that, that labored and actually lived it out and gave us the accounts of how to follow Christ closely, that we've been given this word that's accurate, that's true. I don't want to take that for granted, right? We all know that there's Bibles. I mean, we, we in, in, in our country, we're so blessed that we have, you know, well, do I want my third Bible, my study Bible over here? Do I want my other smaller Bible here? You know, we've got multiple Bibles at home. We're, we're blessed to have uh, the word ready, or you can go on your phone and download the, the app for the Bible, right? I can listen to it. We, we have no excuse to, to not be exposed to it. 
but realizing, you know, God, even before I read the word, God, just thank you. Thank you that you've given me the Bible. Thank you that you've given me your, your words. I, want, I don't want to take that for granted. Again, I don't want to be flippant towards the Bible, meaning I just, I, I have it, but I, I don't really approach it with a seriousness. I, I approach it with a casualness. I don't want to go into God's word casual. I don't, and that's getting to the point too. I, how, I don't want to just go in and check off my list that I, 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 didn't, I read my Bible, all right, on to the next thing. I want to approach God's word as, a, as my means to, to know him and to encounter him, that I don't want to do it as a, a checklist item, that God, thank you for your word. I want to go into it worshiping you. Even I, I find myself times when I go through the word, I, I'll just stop. If there's a spot that really stands out, a spot that I know God is speaking to me on, stop. I'm not going to keep reading. I need to bring that before you. I want to worship you in the word. I don't want to just be a, a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer of the word. A couple scriptures talk about that. Jeremiah 15, 16, Ezekiel 3, 3, if you could pull those up as well. So both of these, having this attitude of delight, it's not a fact that I, I have to read the word. Yeah, I, I, I do have to to nourish my soul, but I get to read the word. Having that attitude of the privilege of getting to, to hear the words of the Lord, being able to see the full story. We're not in the Old Testament where we didn't see Christ fulfilled. We've seen Christ fulfilled. Now I get to take part in, in his plans on the earth. I get to read through how God uh, had redemption on the earth. I don't wanna take that for granted. Your words, it says in Jeremiah, were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and a delight in my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. In Ezekiel, he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with the scroll and I'll give it to you and fill your stomach with it. And I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Is, the Lord, is his word sweet to you when you read it? Is it a delight that you get to be before the Lord? I hope it is when you're, you're spending time in the word and it's not this checklist item. I mean, it's good to have, we need to be accountable, right? We wanna make sure that we're in the word. We wanna have maybe a system in place to hold us accountable, but we don't wanna get into the attitude of just, oh, okay, I did my thing. I, I'm casually just reading it, but I'm not encountering God. Uh, I'm not doing it out of my love relationship and wanting to know God in his heart. And do you read it at all? That's, that's the other thing. I mean, if you want to talk about being flippant, casual, we've been given this beautiful scripture and, and you, you even have one in your home, but we're not reading it. Do you read the word? Do you have something in place? Do you, do you read God's word? And that's the thing that we have too in our church that we're talking about. So we talked about our, our youth group, but we have other life groups that meet throughout the week. Get involved with a group of people getting in the word with each other. We have so many different awesome tools and we have ministries available just getting in the word, getting that exposure and, and being changed by God's word. We don't want to be casual, flippant by not reading God's word or just kind of, you know, oh, got off my list, on to the next thing. We want to be engaged, blessing the Lord, even just thanking him for his word before I even go in to read it, realizing what a treasure that, that we have. We know that. Okay, it's a lot of, we, a lot of it, we, we have this head knowledge but is it changing how I live? Is it, am I actually reading it? Is that reality present? 
Second or, or third thing that I have is prayer. And, and I don't wanna go into a lot of detail on, on prayer because I talk, that was my last topic, right? That we talked about was prayer and the beautiful place that we've been given to not only ask things of the Lord, but to get to encounter his heart that again, it's not this attitude of uh, I have to pray. Yes, I do have to pray. I need to keep my soul nourished. I need to be in communion with God, but I get to pray. I get to go before his presence. I get to enjoy communion with the Lord. And that, that huge gift that we have that we've been given in the place of prayer. It says in John 16, 23, 24, if we're gonna pull up that scripture. In that day, you'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy would be made full. We've got that awesome opportunity to be God's intercessors on the earth, that we can, we can come into agreement with what God wants to do and to be able to pray. And I, I think I talked about this last time, that having that faith that something happens, that when I pray for someone to, to encounter the gospel, that God gives them a reminder, just having that faith that when we pray, things actually are happening, that when I'm praying for somebody, a reminder uh, for the gospel goes forward, that they have an encounter with the Lord, that we, we can't orchestrate how they're, they're answered, but we, can, we have an obligation to be in that place of prayer and we get the benefits uh, at times to see that, that come to fruition. Sometimes we don't even get to see the fruit of it, but we get to be in that place of being, being that one that was secretly behind the scenes praying God's heart for a situation and for circumstances. And I wanted to pull up this picture. I, I haven't seen this movie for quite a while, but that, that when I was preparing this, I was thinking of it as we were, we were soldiers as the movie with Mel Gibson. And this is him on the phone. And, and towards the end of the movie, I just remember they're like getting overrun uh, in their, this is Vietnam and they're getting overrun in their camp. And it's like looking pretty dire for this group. And they're, they're calling in like, all right, we're, we're, we're in the trenches, we're stuck. And they're yelling, all right, we need, the, we need the, the birds to come in, bring in the birds. And they're just overrun and all of a sudden, you know, these, these fighter jets come in and and, and just this, this massive fire. And for us in that place of prayer, that's, that's our spiritual warfare that we can go in. We don't wanna neglect our, our biggest weapon, which is that place of prayer that we've been given, that when things look overwhelming, they look daunting, that we get that place to go where prayer, where God can do more than we could have ever orchestrated or planned that, you know, we're trying to do this in our own strength, but actually God said, if you just call on me, I, I, I've, Literally, I'm going to rain down the answer in your circumstance and, and all this worrying, all this striving that you're doing, God has a plan if we'll give it to him. And we have that awesome privilege, that awesome benefit of being able to call upon the Lord. And, you know, we talk about that benefit. We're, we're children of God. You know, we were saying this morning, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. As a child of God, you don't have to go to God and, and it's not like he's begrudgingly, you know, okay, you need bread, you know, here's a serpent. He's not gonna give us bad gifts. He gives good gifts to his children when they ask, but you have to ask. You have to take advantage of this gift that we've been given, this benefit that we can go before the heavenly father and bring our request to him in time of need and he is ready and able to meet each of those needs. What a huge benefit that we have. So being flippant casual in the place of prayer, 
not praying. Don't, don't do that. Obviously, we need to be people of prayer. That's, that's like the, and I heard this from someone else, the litmus test of our spirituality. Do you pray? Do you actually get alone with God and spend time in his presence? Do you pray? It's really easy to go through and to, it's fun to learn things about God and to check things off your list. But when push comes to shove, do you just enjoy, do you spend time with God? Do you like to get away and just enjoy closeness to him? Do you enjoy that place of prayer? I, I, I really hope it's not a duty mindset, but it's a privilege mindset that we have when we, when we think of prayer. So how can we neglect you know, our biggest weapon that, that we've been given is the ability to call upon God and, and to pray? And I like this picture that it's not about our, our strength too because you might have this bridge that's like fully strong, right? It's like got extra rebar, it's, it's super sound. And does it matter whether, you know, this guy is like trembling and walking across the bridge and, you know, he's like, oh, 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 oh a couple inches at a time or this guy's just, you know, walking across it. Either way, they're going across the bridge. It's not their confidence that necessarily determines the, it doesn't determine the strength. It's the strength of the bridge. And so, you know, whether, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you feel confident in that place of prayer, but just praying, it's not your your strength that's doing it, it's God's strength that's gonna accomplish his will. And so going to that biggest weapon, that biggest uh, arsenal we have, which is God and, his, and being in that place of prayer, that he is going to give us the power to, uh, to accomplish and to see things done through prayer. Next thing, and, and I think this ties into prayer as well, I think both of these um, can go hand in hand, is the Holy Spirit. When we're in the, uh, the, the place of uh, prayer, that's where we foster the Holy Spirit in our lives, that closeness. It, it's hard to have the Holy Spirit upon your life when you're not close to him. I think I skipped, a, skipped one in there of James, but let's go on to John 16, uh, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Go ahead and leave that up there. That's that first one. So Jesus saying, it's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit. That, you know, right away, it's like, well, Jesus, we want you here, but I, he's saying that I need to go and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and that's gonna be to your advantage that you're going to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying that priority is that, the Holy Spirit is going to be with you when I arise and, and uh, the importance of that. And it says in Acts, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That they're waiting right in the book of Acts, that they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them to be anointed, to be set apart. And I can tell you they did not take that for granted when the Holy Spirit came because they waited. They realized that importance of Jesus' words that you need to have the Holy Spirit upon you. And, and when they did, they, they were a strong witness, right? They, they were able to um, confirm God's messages or signs and wonders and to speak with boldness. I don't want to take the Holy Spirit for granted at all. Uh, the Holy Spirit, what a beautiful benefit that we have, that it's like God's presence there with us, that Jesus is, is with us each individually, that Jesus himself was limited to a person that could be in one place in time. The Holy Spirit is not limited to just one place in time. He can be with each of us, like Jesus with you right there constantly. I do not want to take that for granted one bit, that we have the Holy Spirit. 
and I wrote this down, just kind of an, an overarching statement in regards to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what quickens our hearts to love God and others more than our own strength would allow and to testify to the kingdom of God with authority. My own love will grow cold. You know, people will let you down and it's real easy to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with this circumstance. I'm done with this person. The Holy Spirit is what's going to empower you to not, to not do that, right? The Holy Spirit is what's going to empower you to continue loving when your own strength says, I'm done with that person, to continue sacrificially loving someone. In the place of marriage, I don't know how you have marriage without the Holy Spirit. There's a constantly times, to, you know, for, for loving that person despite their faults, right? We need the Holy Spirit in marriage. And the Holy Spirit allows us to love God more than our natural selves would allow. My, you know, I'm going to be in, in the word and I might get, you know, tired of, of, of doing things in my own strength, but in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to enjoy that place. And when I get into the word, I'm gonna be able, it's gonna just be like a sponge to God's truth and into being in that place of prayer. I wanna love God better, I wanna love him more. I need the Holy Spirit to do that beyond what my limitations will allow. I need a supernatural help to be able to love people and to love God more than, than what Al Helbig can do on his own. And to testify to the kingdom with authority. What a benefit that we have just trying, you know, trying to run around and, and testify and be witnesses without the Holy Spirit. I mean, that just sounds awful. I, I don't want to do that, that we've been given the benefit as sons and daughters of Christ, that we can be the witnesses of God on the earth with the Holy Spirit and have that authority to be able to have signs and wonders occur when we pray for people that God can really answer, right? That we can see God move. We don't have to talk initially about a lot of apologetics when God just healed this guy's arm in front of you. He needs to hear the gospel. God can do that. God allows us to be a witness uh, with strength. Uh, I'm gonna, two verses, Luke 12, 12 is the first one. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. And then also Luke 21, 10 through 15. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation. And, and I want to read all this as, as a context. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. And I read these and when Pastor Dallas asked me, you know, Al, would you be willing to give a message? It's like, oh, okay, you know, that's not, it's, it's scary, right? To stand before other people and talk, right? It, it can be scary to do that, but we've been given the Holy Spirit. What a benefit that I can stand and I can say the truth about Jesus because he lives in me, that he empowers me. And that's true for all of you, that when you take that step, and I found this time and time again, like when I'm, God's telling me, you need to go talk to this person, you need to share the gospel. Oh, that's scary, God, I don't wanna do it. They look intimidating. I, I, I know they're gonna say I'm stupid. And I, and I go and I do it. 
that all of a sudden, God, it just, you know, and maybe they do. They say you're stupid. They don't say, so be it. I testified and I, and I have that just joy that, God, I listen to your voice. Maybe you'll, I can hear your voice even more clearly next time. And I, as I practice, I continue to listen to your voice. But a lot of times I find God, he just, you know, whether they accept it or not, he gives me that courage in that moment when I just take that first step and I'm like, okay, I'm listening to you. I'm gonna go talk to that person. I know I don't want to. I know I, I feel kind of sheepish. I'm gonna just do it because I know you want me to talk to that person right now. I find that I get the words to say and, and the confidence comes in that hour or that moment that, that I do that. And for, for us, when we hear God's voice, we hear those things, we have that benefit of the Holy Spirit that he will give you the, the words in that moment to speak. Whether you're brought before people that are uh, you know, in high positions, people that are lowly, doesn't matter, that when you listen, that he's gonna give us those words to speak. And then as well, we've got that place to be able to pray for them and, and, and meet, see their needs um, met, whether physically just meeting their needs or praying over them, and there's a spiritual need or a healing, that, that we're those ambassadors and we have that privilege in that place. And also to help us live out true Christianity, right, which in, entails these things. Like when I read the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that, that I can have a hope that the Holy Spirit lives in me so those things can be a reality. Like, so if I have the Holy Spirit, that means that those things are gonna be a reality in my life. If they're not a reality in my life, I need to wonder where is the Holy Spirit in my life because those things will follow those that are filled with the spirit. And so I have that hope as a believer I have that hope that those things are gonna be true. When I see them not true, I know that as, as I encounter more of the Holy Spirit and I continue to draw close to him, those things will be true of my life. I, that, that's the side of that. I have that hope that those things will continue to manifest as I draw close to him. What a beautiful benefit that, that I'd have peace, I'd have joy, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, self-control, all those things that are gonna be a reality in my life. But we can take that, we can take the Holy Spirit for granted. I wanna, I wanna read Ephesians 4, uh, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How can we grieve the Holy Spirit? I think the obvious first answer is sin, right? We, we, it, the Holy Spirit and sin will not mix. It's like oil and water. Those two will not, the Holy Spirit will not come in and fill a place with sin. And this is kind of where I want to put on my, my youth group hat, if you will, and make this just really clear and practical because um, I, my, own, my own experience, I don't like to be hit with just soft pillows. Sometimes I like to be hit with, with truth and, and make it real. And as I say this, if I could just come and, and hug you while I'm saying it, I would. Uh, I wanna say this with, with gentleness, but with truth, that the Holy Spirit will not dwell with, with sin. And, and to make that real, it's really hard to expect revival and then binge watch the latest HBO show, you know, or watch the very things that Christ came to die and abolish on the earth. And, and then expect revival to take place in your, your life or in your family. You know, it's hard to watch the, you know, some a horror film and then expect God's presence, you know, that I'm no longer a slave to fear. That's not gonna be your attitude after, you know, watching things like that and being mindful of, of what we're partaking in. And I'm not saying this to just be this rule person. I'm saying this in the fact that I want our hearts to be landing strips for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not 
And, you know, will, will not grow in your life when you participate in the very things that Christ came to die and abolish on the earth. When we go to those things regularly and, and we're, we're imbibing in those things, it's not okay, right? Or listening to the very things that Christ came, you know, you look at the, the major songs that are out, uh, the popular, it's, you know, a lot of the theme is like maybe trying to get with somebody or sleeping with somebody that you're not married to about, you know, just things that, that are not pleasing and we're regularly abiding in those things. That's not an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. And, I, you know, I think about this for myself, um, Roger, keep this for my, my folks. Uh, <laughs> I think my mom and dad, I love them so much. When I was younger, though, there was no uh, real filter, though, on the TV. And I could just go on and, you know, there'd be the latest, like, scary movie or whatever on Sci-Fi Channel or, or whatnot. And, you know, and then that night, I'm, like, you know, staying up scared, like, oh, oh man, there's boogeyman in my closet or whatever. Put a filter. I don't, you know, if you guys have TV at home, put a filter on it, especially, I'm going to talk from the youth group side, the main discipleship occurs at home. You're, you want your home to be landing strips for the Holy Spirit to fill your home. You need to put a guard on what's on the television, um, even the commercials and things like that, that um, I wish there would have been more of a guard growing up in terms of what I watched that, you know, just watching those, those movies and, and stupid things, uh, that was not filling me with the Holy Spirit or even putting me in a posture attitude to be desiring more of the Holy Spirit in my life. You know, look, striving for things that at least have a degree of virtue or merit, you know, looking for those things that in terms of entertainment, things that have virtue that have merit. You know, and being a guardian of those things in your home. So all those that are parents, grandparents that have some type of a guardianship with, with a child, the buck stops with you. you. You have that guardianship to either make your home a landing strip for the Holy Spirit or to have little compromises and, and, and things that of conforming to the world. We don't want that. I don't want my children to grow up conforming to the world. I, you know, what, maybe it sounds radical to you, maybe not, but being in that place where I'm gonna guard because I have that benefit of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to increase in my life. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that I was sealed and redeemed from, redeemed, uh, that even led me to Christ in the first place. The Holy Spirit's what even made our hearts tender to, to, to make that sin apparent and the, a desire for Christ. And as well, um, doing things in our own strength when we try to go and we try to just do all these things and we try to, you know, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and we don't go in that place of prayer beforehand, trying to do things in our own strength. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish much. Our own strength, we can only accomplish so much. We've been given that Holy Spirit so that you might do the same thing in two different contexts, but when the Holy Spirit is in your life and present, there's actually going to be a sticky impact where it's not soon forgotten, where you might testify to somebody. You might say all the right things when you share the gospel, but it's, you know, and God still might work in, in, in spite of uh, what's going on, but having your heart there where it's like, I might only say three words, but if the Holy Spirit is present, all of a sudden that person just, boom, I'll, wow, I need Christ in my life. That, you know, there's so much striving we can do when we've been given the very sharp tool of the Holy Spirit to use, not taking that for granted, what a benefit we have. And it gets to be like a, a cycle too, a snowball effect. I want to read this in Galatians 5, 16. 
I think this is a super important, so we talk about that, not filling ourselves with things that, that we know grieve the Holy Spirit, you know, saying, God, I don't, I'm not gonna have those things in my home, I'm not gonna put those things in my heart, I'm gonna protect the Holy Spirit, I want you to increase in my life. So Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have that snowball effect that when we walk by the Spirit, we're not gonna fill those desires of the flesh. We're not, you know, we're gonna die to, to uh, lying, to, you know, slandering others, to lust, to, um, you know, bad-mouthing, to, to hating others. You know, we're gonna be able to walk by the Spirit. And then as we do that, we're gonna continue to, you know, even more so remove the desires of the flesh and then gain more of the spirit. So it's real simple. You remove the desires of the flesh and you, you, you gain more of the spirit as we do that, as we spend time with God and we, we desire him. Those two will not mix. They, they just will not. God's spirit is so special, so um, amazing and, and so holy, which just means unique, that it's not going to mix with that junk. You have to cut that junk out if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's just not going to, he's not going to be there. The Holy Spirit is that special that he's not going to share space with sin in your life. And so we have that awesome benefit that as we continue to, to follow the Spirit, there's going to be less desires of the flesh, less desires of the flesh, more of the Spirit and continuing. Um, and just that hope we have, what an awesome benefit don't want to become flippant or casual. And I think the verse that, or the section that comes most to mind with being flippant or casual with the Holy Spirit, was um, um, it Ananias and Sapphira that, that dropped dead um, in the book of Acts? That they became very casual, I would say, with the Holy Spirit. They did not take into account that the Holy Spirit was in the midst of people. I hope that we can be, you know, as a group of believers, I hope that could be said of us that when people come among us, the Holy Spirit is present in what we say and what we do, that there is just a uniqueness about us in the way that we've postured ourselves. And when people come among us, that it would just feel awkward, wrong to, to you know, partake in any sin and just that joy of knowing God's presence and, and that specialness, that uniqueness of us because we're marked by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be flippant and casual at all. That is so special that God, he said, to your advantage that I go because then I'm going to send the Spirit. Going down here, the other thing, and just briefly, is, is the church, our, our, our body. So we've been given uh, the benefit of having the, being Christ's bride, right? That, that's nothing to take to lightly, and this is probably its own message in, of its own right. But we, we get to be the church. We get to be uh, Christ's bride and, and the benefit of having one another. I really hope, again, we talk about the small groups. I hope that you have a life group. I hope that you have a group that you can meet with and hold each other accountable to go after the word, to, to pray, and to encourage each other. We were not designed to be lone wolves. We were designed to be in community with one another, and we are designed to pursue the Lord as a church body. And so having, whether that, that looks like, you know, um, this meeting with, with family members even, you know, church doesn't really have to, this is, we consider this, you know, like our church body, but the church really is just believers, right? The church is just a group of believers and, and getting together and pursuing Jesus and truth and reality. And so we can be flippant and casual with that when we, we don't, you know, we, we don't uh, pursue fellowship. When we just try to do this alone, I know for my own self, I 
it's scary. When I get by myself, I I'm not accountable. I can, I can go in a million different directions. I need that, that fellowship to continue walking the straight and narrow, to continue that encouragement to keep following Christ. We have that beautiful benefit of being the bride of Christ and, and one another. And so I really hope as well that we don't take that lightly, that when we're in our small groups and we're you know, continuing to look for ways to uh, bless those that are part of the church and part of the body. Final thing I wanna go back to now is, is Psalm 103. So I'm gonna go there myself. I wanna bring it, bring it back to Psalm 103 again. I'm gonna read this, this section a little bit further. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us as our according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. That's the gospel, right? I don't want to take that for granted, that my sins are as far as the east is from the west, that all that call upon Jesus are made clean and made whole, and there's nothing that can be said against, against God's elect, that when we have put our faith and trust in Christ, that we have that benefit, that he pardons all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. And I think if we go back and you look at your own testimony, right, I am so thankful that God did not leave me where, where he found me at, but that he was able to redeem me from those things that I was enslaved to and to give me a new life in Christ. I think all of us, when we look back at our own testimony, God, Thank you so much that you saved me. And that's, the, and that's the hope and the promise as well. If that benefit is not true of you, that's the, the place to start, right? That Christ came, died, rose again to give us that eternal life and to make us clean, to make us whole, that there's nothing that can be made account of us um, when we go before the Father, that, that we can approach his presence um, and not be just totally annihilated, right? I, the way I think of it, I mean, without being covered in Christ, it's just like a really dry leaf and you throw it in a, in a bonfire, just, just gone. And God's presence is just so special, so unique, so holy that there is just like the Holy Spirit, there's no uh, sin that can take any part in him. And we have to be covered in Christ to approach his presence. And people water it down again, the real gospel, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And God's presence will have nothing to do with sin. It'll have nothing to do with evil. And it's not because God is hateful or God is a bad God. It's because he's fully love. He is fully justice. Just like if I was to go to a judge and talk to him, uh, um, and all the, all the, the, you know, if I was guilty of a crime and all of the, the things were there, all the evidence was there, there was video recordings, people had their phones, it's like there's no, no way to dispute the evidence. And he said, well, you know, because I'm a loving judge, you're free to go. No, you know, he would be just as bad as the person that committed the crime if he knew that that was taking place and he didn't give any punishment there. If he's a good judge, he's gonna give the right sentence because he is good. He's gonna say, I, I will give the correct 
judgment, not because I'm a bad judge, but because I'm good, I'm going to give this, this justice and dole it out. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that we get what we don't deserve, which is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, right? And that's the promise for anyone that would put their faith and trust in Christ. And the biggest thing though, and I, I, this is probably the theme for our youth group, and I've just been struck by this scripture in John. It says, um, you go to the scriptures because in them you think you have life, but you refuse to come to me that you would have life. You can know this awesome truth. You can know that Jesus came to make us clean and forgiven, and you can have it all down pat. You may even be able to share it with others, but have you had that Jacob moment where you actually wrestled with God and, 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 and made it your own? When Jacob wrestled with God, he got a new name, right? He was a different, uh, different person. We become a different creation when we really put our trust in Christ. And I talked about the, the fruits of the spirit. If those aren't realities in your life, we have to ask, well, where, where, where's the evidence? A good tree will not produce bad fruit and a, ba- a bad tree won't produce good fruit. The evidence that we really know Christ is the fruit that we produce. Is that a reality in your life? Is it just a head knowledge or have you encountered that forgiveness and that person, that work of Christ? That's, that's the, and that offer is obviously for everyone, the gospel. That's the gospel message that you can bring your stuff to Christ. And uh, when you come into, in that place of honestness, not, not flippantly, not casually at all, but that place of truth and, and earnestness where it's just like, God, I need you. He'll save you. And, and that can be this Psalm 103, the benefits of knowing Christ who heals Uh, and forgives all your iniquities, everything, makes it as far as east is from the west, that's a reality and that's a truth when you give yourself to it. Not just believing in a parachute, but actually putting the parachute on. Awesome benefit that we have in, in Christ. For those of us that are part of Christ's bride, that are, that have put their faith and trust in Christ, are these things again reality? It's so easy to know these benefits but is it a reality? Are you practicing? I want to put one more picture up on the, the screen. So I've got the, the Tin Man. And I've got a friend in Sioux Falls. He's actually just started a church now. And he has a kind of a cool hip uh, band. I kind of call him a hipster for, for fun joking of him. He's got this band, Dan, uh, his name's Dan Bruns. Dan Bruns and the uh, Tin Man Revival Band. And uh, it's got a kind of catchy, uh, catchy name. But I, I like his reason for saying that. The church, we can be like the Tin Man that we have, we've been given the armaments like you read in Ephesians that with the breastplate of righteousness and we've been given the awesome benefits, right? That we read in Psalm 103 that come to those that put their faith and trust in Christ that, that we have these awesome benefits, um, but we have no heart. That we, we have these things, but are we actually using them? Or are they getting rusted and worn out from, from non-use? You've been given the word, you've been given prayer. And are, as a church, are we like the tin man that we have all these things, but there's no reality on the inside. There's no heart. There's no living it out. I hope that's not true. Let's pray to, to close. And I just want to invite you not to be a a weirdo, but to be a desire for Christ. Put your hands out in front of you. Just uh, this is a desire for, for God to move. It's okay if you don't feel comfortable doing it. Just let it be not for the fear of man, though. God, we bless you. We want to receive more of you, God. We, we just declare, God, that you are good. You are righteous. You're true, Jesus. You're altogether beautiful. You're altogether desirable. God, we want more of your presence in our lives. We want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, empower us to refuse anything 
that would grieve your spirit and fill us, God. Jesus, we desire you. Thank you for you, God. Thank you for your presence. God, I pray that for myself and for my home, God, we won't for, we'll talk about your benefits. God, I'll, I'll bless you because of your benefits, God. God, I pray that you'll be more real in my life than the person sitting next to me. Jesus, I love you. I honor you. God, I pray and, and I just receive testimonies for this upcoming week, God, that you're gonna give me an opportunity to bless somebody or to share the gospel with somebody. God, I just receive in faith, God, the empowerment and the eyes to see those opportunities. Love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Okay, we're gonna pass out our, our offering baskets. Uh, and we also have our communication cards. I think I have one. Um, so fill out your name, especially if you're new, please put your name down. Uh, love to be in contact with you. And on the backside, putting prayer requests that'll be prayed over this upcoming week, believing again in the power of prayer that God would move when we pray. So I'm gonna take a moment too. Okay, and we'll go ahead and we can pass the, the baskets down. Just kind of a heads up for next Sunday. I'm really excited. Uh, there's going to be, uh, his name's Daniel Grenz. He's a missionary, has been a missionary to China and to Thailand. And he's gonna become speaking with us next Sunday. Reason I'm really excited as well, both Alicia and I, when we were at uh, Augustana College, we had started seeing a, kind of a prayer movement at the school where we started contending for truth and we started prayer walking the campuses, meeting Friday nights, we'd have worship services. Um, this guy that's gonna be coming to speak next Sunday was the guy that led that up. And I would say the closest I've uh, experienced to a revival and just a strong moving of God um, would have been during that time. And, and this Dan, uh, who's gonna be coming next Sunday, really was instrumental for both Alicia and I, kind of forming like, whoa, the power of, uh, of prayer and really seeing it where we'd have people just crying. I mean, I, I could give examples where we had a friend that had a dream of this girl in the cafeteria that was birthed out of one of these prayer meetings and, and all of a sudden just talked to this girl and we ended up having a prayer meeting in the sanctuary at the, the college and this, uh, this girl ended up just like breaking down, had, was, was abused when she was younger and she's now like leading sex trafficking ministries. Uh, from, you know, like there was just these awesome things that we saw God doing um, and, and Dan, who's gonna be coming next, uh, Sunday was really kind of key in that, that whole movement that we saw in our campus. So I'm very excited uh, that, that he's going to be joining us, uh, look, looking forward to it and, and hearing as well his, his missionary endeavors. He really, uh, with his family, uh, has gone all out, just really seeking the heart of the Lord and, and especially in the place of prayer and, and worship and out of that uh, giving the right attitude to really make an effect. Again, not doing it in your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's one I've learned a ton from. I'd say one of the key spiritual, um, I'm one of the key spiritual benefactors of, of his life. So really excited next Sunday for that. 
And any other announcements, anything? Uh, we've got prayer at uh, five tonight. So we talk about putting this into action. I, 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 if you can think of a revival that happened outside of the place of prayer, I'd like to hear about it. Every revival that, that happened started in the place of prayer. And so we're going, we, we, we try to constantly meet uh, Sundays, five o'clock for prayer uh, because God's gonna move. That's just the physics of it. When you seek God in the place of prayer, we can't, wait. I don't know the time frame, but I know that God is gonna move and there's gonna be something beyond our own strength and power that happens when God's people pray. Don't wanna take that for granted. So I'd love for you guys to join us. It doesn't, you know, and it's fine. We're not judging if it doesn't work some Sundays and you're able to come others, but just trying to be intentional, seeking God. We know that when we seek God's heart and prayer, revival, um, that's, that's how it's birthed. And that's even the first sign of revival is that God's people are praying uh, and, getting, and meeting and praying. Okay, uh, I think we did this last time. I want to close too. I'll have you stand up, grab the hand, somebody next to you. We're going to bless, bless each other. So awkward, it's fine. Embrace, embrace the awkwardness. Um, but look over at someone next to you or, um, and, and, and we'll say, uh, may the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. All right. Amen, guys. Have a good week. Go after it.